Hello. Ahoy. Ahoy. My child is very into pirates at the moment. All right. Too bad I don't have the eye patch anymore. I told him. He asked me about an eye patch the other day, and I said, you remember when Pastor Rich had an eye patch? He said, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he, he was asking if pirates that didn't had eye patches couldn't see. And I was like, I... Has he watched the pirates who don't do anything? Yes. Yeah. And Classic. he's going to be Classic. a pirate for Halloween, which means I have to be a pirate for Halloween, of course, because he can't do it by himself. Right. And yeah, and he wants pirate things for his birthday, which is there's so th much good. Three days before Halloween, from, there is from Pirates of the Caribbean. From, and all yeah, that. yeah, there's a lot of long before it was a movie. It was, right, it was a good time. Oh, and ride. he's very he loves the Pirates of the Caribbean song that was his favorite ride at Disney World. And it could be worse. You can make him some really bad eggs. Really bad eggs. <laughs> no rum though. <laughs> Why is the rum gone? <laughs> anyway, maybe we shouldn't talk about that on him. Church podcast. <laughs> um, Welcome to the Rumcast, the, the real life Rumcast. The Rum Diary. Wow, we are just off to a just you know they, a you know they woke, wonderfully auspicious. Wokeified uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride too, right? No, I, I think I remember hearing something about it, but I don't. Well, because like forever they had. This is probably not. <laughs> they were they had one area of the ride where they were like selling a, a wench or whatever yeah. and people got upset so now sure because that type of stuff never happened with right <laughs> with 19th so century pirates so. now she's or 18 now she's pirate. a pirate the woman instead is just another pirate in the thing sure fine because that was just, super common right again i hate everything <laughs> okay what are we talking about getting what, else, what we man? want what when else? you get what you want it's not accurate you, you know that that's actually as you say that that is a pretty good segue into what we're talking oh, about because so it. much of what we're dealing with in you know what what we might call woke culture or what we might, might just call culture this is our current place where we are stupid is you know we've fought so hard for our own glory for right. you know whether it's you know talking about feminism or you know nationalism or the uh, the anti-racism that's out there now all, all of these different things to get our way and then when we actually get it we don't like the repercussions we right. don't like what comes with it and so it, it's funny it, it turns out that when you do things that don't line up with scripture it doesn't work out so great you know and if you Imagine follow that. if you follow uh the lord's leading and and you don't end up with the abused twisted scriptures that so often christians are accused of their twisted sister it's not something different. I think actually there was a parody band called. So, 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 yeah, so if, if there's not, someone missed an opportunity. Right. So uh, anyhow, as uh, as as we look at all these things, a lot of times, especially today, there, there's all these accusations about how the church is. The, this is where the misogyny comes from. You know, mm -hmm. the abusive uh, doctrines and policies of the church, which for the most part isn't isn't real. And where it is real, it's because we've gone away from the scriptures to follow our own teaching. Well, it's interesting so, you say that. We were talking about TikTok before we got on here. Um, and a lot, I my, my algorithm is lined up to where I'm getting a lot of Christian content, which I'm cool with, but you're also, I'm also getting a lot of content that is I am now too. why so, people left the church yeah. or how the church abused them or ex-evangelicals yeah. or da-da-da-da-da. And the scary thing is they're condemnation of nineties purity culture or right. what is actually just called wholesome. You know? <laughs> but not only that, it's, you know, 
there, the, what I'm getting from a lot of it is that there, a lot of it are just people, A, want not agreeing with reality, but some of it is that there are churches and leaders within those churches who are taking too much influence from the world and putting that into the church and, and going right. against what God actually says yeah. to fit today's agenda. And, and, and it, and it goes not apart. just in a liberal way. It goes right, in, in right. a hyper-conservative right. way as well, where we start to take our framework and what we believe is the right thing or what extremes. we've been told or was passed on from previous generations and we go to extremes, you know, uh, which, you know, ought to be a song. Anyway, so as as we're looking at, um, at, at how this plays out in numbers, it, it seems to mirror or, or I guess presage what, uh, Paul says in Romans one, mm. which is a, just an absolutely direct picture of what we're dealing with today. And it's easy. I'm going to say this in advance so that people don't go down this road before we can correct it or that we don't forget to correct it. <laughs> but it's easy to look at what happens, uh, particularly in Romans one, as Paul is detailing uh, God turning us over to our own devices. When, when that, uh, passage comes up and, and we see references to a homosexual sin, uh, we have this tendency to either go, oh, look, see how terrible that is. Those people are, are you know, they're the ones, they're the wicked, or the opposite to say, well, look at how, how, you know, bigoted and hateful the church is. It's saying that homosexual offenders deserve to die. And I would challenge anybody who, who might be listening to this to actually listen to or read the text. We're going to be in, in Numbers 11 for a minute. We're going to be in uh, Romans 1 for a minute. You can look up both of those for yourself and, and read them. I'll be uh, reading from the ESV today, um, the uh, English Standard Version, or as uh, our brother, Dr. Daryl B. Harrison, likes to call it, the Elect Standard Version. So, <clears throat> um, except for I just marked Romans, so let me come back to Numbers 1. So we'll, uh, Numbers 11, we'll hit this quick. So just a little backdrop for anybody that's just joining us and hasn't been here for the rest of these. Uh, the children of Israel are, have left uh, the foot of Mount Sinai where they received the law of God. They, they're about a year, a little over a year out from uh, having escaped Egypt as uh, God, I say escaped, they weren't really looking to escape. God delivered them. Right. Uh, so God did all of this. Uh, and, and so many incredible things that he's already done for them. He's already provided manna and quail when they first came out of Egypt. Now, at this point, they're grumbling and complaining. You know, we were so much better off back there when we were slaves in Egypt and we had fish and we had, you know, leeks and onions and garlic and cucumbers. And, you know, now all we have is this manna. And so as they grumbled against God, they didn't pray. They didn't say, Lord, could we have some meat or anything right. like that? They they complained and they grumbled and it displeased the Lord. And Moses kind of tripped like, God, I don't want to deal with these people anymore and, and uh, just shoot me. So we get through all of that. God has already said, tell the people to, to consecrate themselves because they're going to receive from me the meat and they're going to receive so much. We have meat, the meat. You're going to be so sick of this. It's going to be coming out your nose. So, uh, it, it, it's clear even before he does it that God is going to give them what they want as an expression of, of his judgment, which is exactly what our core reality is uh, in, in this particular passage, as if I could actually read it. There it is. You're going to lose your Romans. So, yeah, I'll have to look it up again. Uh, God's judgment often comes by uh, letting us have our way. You'd think having preached it and said it multiple well. times and written it, I would remember without having to look. But anyhow, uh, 
that this is the picture that we get. And it, it kind of reminds me of, well, maybe we'll talk about that later. Anyway, so uh, Numbers 11, 31 to 35. Um, so this is the Lord actually doing what he said. Uh, then a wind from the Lord sprang up, and it brought quail from the sea and let them fall beside the camp uh, about a day's journey on this side and a day's journey on the other side around the camp and about two cubits above the ground. So that's, you know, cubits about 18 inches. So you're talking about three feet off the ground. Um, and the people rose all that day and all night and all the next day. So they're putting work into this and gathered the quail. Uh, those who gathered least gathered 10 homers. And if a homer is about six bushels, you're talking about 60 bushels of, of quail, quail they're gathering in. <clears throat> and they spread, them around, they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. While the meat was yet between their teeth, before it was consumed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck down the people <clears throat> with a very great plague. Therefore, the name of that place was called Kibroth Hata'ava, uh, because there they uh, buried the people who had the craving. Kibroth Hata'ava means graves of the craving. From Kibroth Hatava, the people journeyed to Hazaroth, and they remained in Hazaroth, and that's where the next bit of the story will take place. Do we have any insight there into how many people died? Uh, it doesn't say, but uh, clearly a significant think, number. And right. that, you know, if it's was it all the ones who were grumbling, and then right. the rest of the people were untouched. I, I'm not right. I'm just curious. Not sure. Yeah, it doesn't really say that. That's the only reference we have to that. Uh, it's funny in a book called numbers in our in, in no English number called there. numbers that right. doesn't give us the number um, but they're I'm not a big numbers person <laughs> they're grumbling they're complaining against the Lord and the Lord says okay you want it you got it and, and, and you're gonna be able to have what you desire but don't think it's blessing you know it's like the old I'm not please don't take this as I'm comparing God to some kind of genie because I'm not, but it reminded me for a minute as like those old tropes where yeah. a genie comes and you get three wishes, but then you wish for something and it's the repercussions. The, right. Right. The extreme I, I actually thought about using the monkey's paw as an yeah, example. Yeah. So, cause that, uh, you know, old, uh, short story, horror mm -hmm. story type thing, uh, has the, that exact same kind of a you thing, think you want something except for this is actual judgment from God because right. it, it, because what you want, is the opposite of what you should want. Right. What you should want is connection with God. Right. What you should want is his presence. Uh, that's the, the nature of, uh, of John Piper's uh, Christian hedonism, as he calls it, uh, the premise behind his book, Desiring God, that, mm -hmm. that our greatest joy, the, the deepest, truest joy that's most lasting is in the, our, our full intimacy with the Lord. And at, at when we desire him most, everything else uh, kind of fades away. Mm -hmm. And in desiring him, there's no downside. The downside comes in all these other cheap substitutes. C.S. Lewis uh, refers to that idea in The Way to Glory, that our, our uh, desires are not too strong, but too small. It, it's that God is uh, looking at us saying, here, I'm offering you all of this. And we're like, no, I'm good. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll pass on that. Right. You know, I, I've got this, you know, he, he compares it to a ch child playing in, the, in a, the street in the slum, uh, content to make mud pies in, in the slum because he can't imagine what a holiday at the sea might right. be like. Uh, and, and so he kind of says that that's where our desires are. We want all these things that seem so great, 
because we're missing out on the greatest thing. We're not even thinking about how awesome that is. And so like in the monkey's paw, where uh, what's the family's name? Smith, I think. If it's not, I'm going to call it Smith. So uh, it's fictional, so nobody's offended. Unless your name is Smith. So, Unless you're a mermaid. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) as... You know, as they're doing it, they get this this artifact, this monkey's paw that has this uh, charm or, or with a curse that goes on it. So that uh, the the legend is, you get three wishes, but with each of these wishes, uh, they'll be granted, but some terrible thing will happen. And and so, um, you know, the man first they don't really take it seriously. Then he makes a wish that um, they'll be able to pay whatever debt. They'll have money to pay this debt. So. They get the money that pays the debt because their son dies mm-hmm. and they're awarded a settlement right. uh, from it. So that's the cost. So many stories. Like, I mean, even like yeah. King Midas or whatever. Right, exactly. It's the same thing. That's it's a perfect example. So it, it's kind of a timeless story because right. it's rooted in an eternal truth right. that our desires, our selfish desires, take us down bad paths. Mm-hmm. That's how it's going to happen. And, you know, uh, I noticed you were the only one who responded on Sunday morning to the uh, Aladdin reference uh, as well. But, and then but, my sister so, said, you're a really big nerd, me. Well, and I understand. So I agree. That's, I can't why, argue that's why we get along. You know? Me and you. <laughs> but if, there's but yeah. a, if there's an obscure nerdy pop culture reference, I am your girl. It, it was one of my favorite parts of Aladdin, you know, there, where uh, Jafar. Big red genie. He turns into this big, you know, evil genie. I'm going to. All powerful genie, right. and so you can have it, and all that comes with it phenomenal cosmic power and itty bitty living So now you're enslaved by the granting of your wish. And that's exactly what happens here is God gives them what they want, but their fleshly desires, their, their craving, the, the lust of the flesh, has enslaved them. Right. And isn't that exactly what you've been talking about, you know, as far as our culture goes? that we've chased after all these things. We're there you know, right now. You know, how many, uh, oh, I think you sent me the thing about feminism. So many TikToks that I get from I'm this sorry. lady. So then I send it to this my is mom. What I, do. Or I think I'm going to, okay, I'm going to go to sleep early tonight <laughs> and I get in bed and then I'm just sitting there scrawling for so two hours. I think Shelly laughed Ugh. at the feminism one that, where it's a woman from uh, the fifties or something. Uh, oh yeah, forward yeah, 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 yeah. To 2020. Oh, yeah. we're here and oh, it's going to be great. And all of these things. And, all you know the feminism sounds great until you get the results of it right. like you know we want this independence and we want all these all these freedoms or perceived freedoms that actually enslave us and have us less happy and and, and research is showing that women today are less happy <laughs> than they like, were in the in the late 60s like, or oh 70s. i can work now i can go work a full-time yeah. like yeah Oh, so I have someone to, to then make meals for me? Ever? No, you got to yeah, come right. home and then you got to work your full-time it. job and then come home and do this. And then this, <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah, so there's, we don't consider the fact that, that the things that we desire are very often less than the things that are, are offered to us. Um, and, and especially when we're talking about God's promises. God's promises are perfect and they're not flashy. Right. But, you know, the, the old trope about how, you know, you can get kids the most expensive gifts and they love to play with the box. Right. So right. And, Word. It, and as a child, a Word. mother of a young child, you understand that <laughs> it's shiny and flashy and it's awesome. And it looks great in the catalog and it's super in the store. And it, but it, my child wants a paper towel, and, too. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so eventually those things that were so important that we have to give up our hard earned money for, right. they end up in the bottom of a closet somewhere. They, they end up in goodwill. And 
that's so true with the promises of the world and the desires of our of our sinful nature of our our human flesh they promise big things mm -hmm. but it doesn't last mm -hmm. the, the you know same thing happens with you know affairs I'm dissatisfied in my marriage and you know he doesn't understand me she doesn't understand me or they don't appreciate me we don't feel the same the things we used to gone. feel you know we fell out of love if you fall in love you fall out of love and all that kind of garbage because we don't understand biblical love so then we chase after this other thing because somebody else is shiny and new somebody else gives us this this warm fuzzy feeling and then we get there and all we've done is ruin the rest and it's not better or it mm -hmm. seems better for a while but, but eventually last, right yeah you're in the same boat whereas our our connection with the lord uh, again to steal from john piper god is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him mm -hmm. so if our purpose is to glorify god and enjoy him forever then piper's tweaking of that is is fully logical when he says that our purpose is to glorify god by enjoying him forever and the more we desire him the less the things of this world matter right, right? the old uh, hymn turn your eyes upon jesus uh you know with fullness wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace uh john michael Mc, or john michael mcmullen is that right Jacob Jingleheimer yeah, it's, anyway <laughs> uh his uh uh song about how uh how he loves me mm. with uh which crowder rightly changed to an unforeseen kiss because uh, otherwise it was gross and blasphemous but anyway um but there's a line in there where it talks about, you know, in the midst of just this overwhelming awareness of how God loves me, I don't have time to maintain my regrets. You know, I, I, the rest of this just doesn't matter anymore when I recognize who he is and I'm living in intimacy with him. Then the, the rest of all the things we chase after this seems so important. You know, whatever it is it's i was just noticing as we we're looking at animals and animals and societies seem to be governed by the same uh the same driving urges for food and sex and dominance and that you know you watch societies rise and fall that same way and world leaders go through that all the time which is one of the things by the way just a little aside that makes uh queen elizabeth really stand out because mm. she diminished her own picture for the glory of England she in a said way that, that I think when she first got, uh, you know, when she first became queen, that she would, she made a promise to dedicate her life yeah. to the service. Yeah. Excuse me. I'm going to just tip this because it's oh. driving me nuts. Uh, yeah. We're a little bit too low in there. It was, it was killing me. Sorry if it made you sick there on uh, uh, Facebook. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, so in Romans one, Paul's dealing with the, the same picture <clears throat> and he's in the middle of presenting the gospel. So, uh, jumping out of 116, he says, you know, I'm not ashamed of the power of, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to all who believe, to the person, the Jew, then to the Gentile. And then he kind of lays out the human condition. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of salvation for the wrath of God is being poured out on mankind. Let me, uh, let me read it directly rather than uh, quoting it. So here's what he says. This is Romans 1, 18 and following. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodlessness and, and, and unrighteousness of men. Unconsciousness probably fits. Uh, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth or wickedness in the NIV. So there's, this isn't a picture of certain individuals who are unrighteous. It's us. It's the race, the, the sin that's in us 
every time we uh, start to desire these other things, our, our, uh, some smart person, <laughs> I don't remember who it was offhand, <laughs> uh, described lust, uh, all lust as uh, misplaced or misapplied desires. God mm. gives us desires. And when we take those desires and we use them for other purposes. Mm. So, uh, you know, just with we mentioned the sexuality and affairs, God gives us sexuality. And I think that's what in, most people think of when right, they right. think of love. Absolutely. And, and again, it, it's, a, it's a driving force for us, especially in our society today, where we've made sex everything. Uh, and by making it everything, we've really made it nothing. You know, when, when everyone is super, then no one is. Uh, Another good one. And so the, the, the picture here of God gives us human sexuality as a good and beautiful thing, as an act of worship uh, with... Uh, within the context of marriage of one man, one woman for life. And we chase after it in every other possible perverted way you can think of right. and denigrate the glory of marriage. And so as we do this, we're suppressing the truth. Every sin, every flesh driven desire is pushing down the truth of who God is. It's distorting the picture, the image of, of God. So, uh, again, if sex and marriage and family are to, to uh, illustrate the reality of who God is and how he interacts with his people, then as we get that wrong, we are blaspheming him by giving a bad picture, a distorted, impure picture of who God is. And the, uh, the, the thing that Paul's saying here is God's wrath then is poured out on us, uh, on, on all of us, who suppress, who press down, who hold under, pin to the mat, if you will, the truth of who God is, his righteousness, his goodness, with our unrighteousness. So that's one verse. <laughs> um, for what can be known, this is uh, verse 20 or 19, I can't read the numbers. The numbers are so small in these Bibles. Uh, Man, numbers. For what can be known about God is plain to them right? It, everybody can see these things because God has shown, uh, has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, uh, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. For <clears throat> oh, So they are uh, without excuse. I should have you read this because clearly my glasses are not helping me today. Uh, <laughs> for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So he's speaking there of the, of the overt idolatry that people have. But it, before he gets to the overt idolatry, it's the more covert, this, we maybe call it a soft idolatry that's not soft at all, where right. we put anything ahead of God, right? And so this picture that he's giving is that everybody is without excuse, but we rebel against the obvious lessons of the created order and want to do it our way. Mm -hmm. Creation points to God as Lord and master of all things. Our sinful nature, our flesh, because it's corrupted by sin, points to us as the autonomous arbiter of all things. I get to call the shots. It's my life. It's my free will. And we stand in judgment of Scripture and stand in judgment of God because God can't do this. 
right. Okay. You know, God, God doesn't have the right to tell me what to do. God must give me free will. I, I love it when we come up with theology that says that God had to give us free will. That was such an important thing. Right. No, that we've missed out entirely. God is God. He doesn't have to give us anything. He doesn't have to let us exist. He doesn't have to let us breathe. He certainly doesn't have to give us free will. And yet, within some context, he does mm -hmm. without in any way diminishing his sovereignty. Do I understand it? No, this is a mystery. This is bigger than my brain. But God holds on to his sovereignty while also giving us meaningful choices and responsibilities. Therefore, God remains sovereign and we remain responsible. And what we see here is that we are constantly chasing after the distortion, the, the lesser things, these temporary things, because we're craving something that's not ours to crave. We, mm -hmm. we want what we want on our timeline, regardless of what God has said. So that uh, here in, in, uh, in Romans 1, he then continues, Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So this is the same picture that we see in, in Numbers 11. Uh, God says, if you want it, go ahead. But it's its own punishment. Your sin is its own punishment. And and he goes on to describe what I, what I think, I, what I believe this is saying more and more as it's talking about the giving them over to the, you know, the, homosexual activities and so on. Um, I think he's talking about society, mm. the, the way looking at the context. I don't think he's talking about an individual because there, there is, there seems to be a pretty clear picture that he's talking about elevated symptoms of the disease. Mm. Sin is the disease. <clears throat> all of us have it. We're all dying. It's, it's terminal for everyone, but some get a higher registered symptom of that. Sure. And this seems to be that he's talking about a people, you know, it, it, that it, when a society embraces this and approves it, because that's kind of what his emphasis at the end is, you don't just do these things, but you actually show your approval. You wave a gay pride flag. You do these kinds of things. You, you're telling people that this is OK. And, and he seems to be saying that that's even worse than doing it, you know, that, sure. that God's giving you over to these things. But the picture that we have here, and, and I'll, I'll let that text stand. People can read the rest for themselves because we're short on time. But the picture that we have is the same as what we see uh, in Numbers, that God's, God's not giving it to you because it's good for you. He's giving it to you as a judgment against you because you're craving what is not yours to crave. And very often, that's how we experience God's judgment, his, his chastening. And when God just gives, it, gives us over to it, the the sin is its own punishment right hell is still hell and there but we can have god or we can have our our sinful pleasures we can't have both right and we live in a world right now where so-called evangelicals and i say so so-called because i think by definition you're not evangelical if these are your your takes but we are so caught up in this hyper grace, this abuse of grace in our world that, that we think, well, you know, because I prayed the sinner's prayer or, or whatever else, because I have a certain set of beliefs in my brain, I can do whatever I want. It's exactly the opposite of what there Paul's no going to spend the rest of this 
particular letter talking about, especially you get to chapter six, and it's, it's like, well, why shouldn't we go on sinning then? Right. If it brings God glory to to give mercy to us, and and basically it's like you're an idiot. Your judgments deserved. Um, because that's the opposite. If we are changed, if we are in Christ, we can no longer desire those things the same way. Uh, John MacArthur, I was just listening to a sermon on the way in here today, uh, his most recent uh, podcast sermon. He's talking about if if my concern, if my life is for the glory of God, then the things that break God's heart are going to break my, my heart. I'm going to be hurt and angry and passionately uh, worked up when anything hurts God's glory, right. right? So when my sinful desires take over, they might get me for a moment, but I can't live with that. You know, you don't it, stay it, there, right? And so it's kind of like you know, if, if you've ever been in a fight with a you know a spouse or you know a teenager, you know, and you get to a place where this arguing is dumb, right? So it's like, fine, do what you want, right? right? That's not saying you win. I'm happy. Right. It's Okay, you'll, you'll go ahead. See, see how this works, right? right? And, and and we we can do that a lot of times where we give up. I do on that it. with my own child. I'm like, okay, do it again. See what yeah. happens. <laughs> and that's basically what happens here. God does that with us as well. We will stop there for today. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, yeah, that we've stopped on time. All right. Uh, <laughs> if you have any questions or comments, feel free to send us an email. Leave us a voicemail at two six nine. Stop. All right. Leave us a voicemail at 269-756-RLCC or using the Anchor app, or you can leave us a message on Facebook or YouTube. And uh, I will have Rich let me know the verses here so I can put them in the description if you guys want to look those up on your own, what we talked about today. Thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you later.